enough. There's always something else. And look, they did this Lillard trade because of him. You know, they've got his brother on scholarship. You know, <laughs> so like they've got a lot of things going there, right? And fucked up, bro. Welcome to Rogue Bogues, another episode of Basketball Series. Myself, Mike Procopio, over in San Antonio, I believe, pro, traveling the world. Yeah, traveling the world, brother. Yeah. Traveling the world. Working out some guys Besides over there. Have, yeah, I got Trey Jones. Uh, uh, spent some time with him last couple of days and then um, just heading back. But I got this fucking cold sore that's as bigger than my stomach on my fucking face right now. So I don't have a black hole eating my face. It's just a fucking cold sore that blew up on me. We did joke off air. He's staying in a hotel on the side of a highway. So I'll leave up to the imagination of the listeners where that cold sore came from. We won't have to get yeah. too, too far into that, bro. But uh, maybe some explaining for your wife when you get home. Yeah. Yeah. It, I went from a 2.1 to a 1.7. So it's not really <laughs> like I lost a lot of points. So I'm good. <laughs> All right, let's get into a lot of a lot of news uh, the last couple of weeks. A lot has been going on around the league, but we'll get into our team of the weeks. I'm interested to see who you got, but I will go first. I got the New York Knicks. Uh, they did lose to the Lakers a couple of nights ago at time of recording, but they were shorthanded. A few guys were out of that game, Randall, and um, I think I know he was was out of that game as well. And the Lakers put together a decent performance, uh, but. They've been playing really well. Um, they are 15-5 and five in their last 20. Brunson's a real deal, been balling. Really solid defensive team, as per Thibs usually, but they're sixth in defensive rating in the league, which is the reason why they're playing as well as they are. But I guess I heard some other people talking about this too online. Um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Are they fool's gold at the moment, Pro? Are they... You know, playing really well right now, but we all know playoffs come around, usually first round, maybe second round, they get bounced. It becomes clunky in the playoffs. Their offense really dries up historically the last three or four years. That's been the case with the Knicks. They are playing well right now. Fool's gold or not, bro? It depends on what you think fool's gold is. If you're just saying playoffs, it could be a little bit tough. Um, They remind me a little bit of those Bulls teams that, that Tibbs had with Derek Rose was sort of the center of their offense. And they had a bunch of other off-ball players that played well, played hard defensively. But in the playoffs, when you try to gobble up a guard like Brunson or a Derrick Rose in that case, that then you force other people to be scorers. And it, and it, it becomes clunky at times. You know how it is in the playoffs, Bogues. People, you know, people, they script you. They play in certain ways. They scout against you. They, have, they throw every junk defense at you. So, yeah, I think it's going to be tough. I do think that they have a bunch of guys that don't need the ball in their hands, unlike Barrett and Quickly. You know, they've, you know, they've got a bunch of guys besides Brunson that doesn't really need the ball. They move it. They share it. They play good defensively. I think that they could, they could get – they could sneak. You know, they might be able to sneak a couple of wins in the playoffs. They might be able to get a series depending on the opponent. I think they're good, Bogues. I think, you know um, – Without Randall, it's tough. You know, Randall's good. Uh, Randall's a really good player. He's frustrating sometimes when he over dribbles and overdoes it, but he is an offensive source that can handle the ball and can do a bunch of things. So, depending on when he comes back and, you know, how long it takes him to get back in a form after that dislocated shoulder, I do like them both. What do you think, though, by watching them? Do you think they're fool's gold? Do you think they're, you know, they're one hit wonder or whatever you want to call it? I guess where I'm saying fool's goal, they're 15 and five in their last 20. Um, is that who they're going to be? I don't think so. Um, would I pick them over Boston, Milwaukee, and even a healthy Philly? No, I still wouldn't. 
Um, I think they can get Cleveland. I think they can definitely – I'd love to see them against Indiana because it's like two opposites collide, right? Like a grindy defensive team versus a team that wants to put 150 on your head. So, But, yeah, I think they're solid. Uh, I just don't think that they're – I feel like they're missing one piece. I feel like they're missing – still missing one piece – um, that second tier star to put next to Brunson. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I think Randall's great, but I don't know. I just, do, can you rely on him in the course of a grindy series is the question. He's a great player, great offensively, but he has those one in 10 games where he gets pissed off and pouts in the corner and doesn't want to run back on defense if he's not, or it feels like he's not getting a touch. I think he's done that three or four times this season already, but they, they seem to, the thing with Randall is they're reeling back in into the fold, it doesn't, it doesn't sustain. Um, but in a playoff series, you do that once or twice in, in, in a seven-game series, it can cost you a series. But they are they are playing really well. I mean, fun to watch. Obviously, the OG acquisition has really put them over the top defensively. I just think they're missing – like to get over the Bostons and the Milwaukee's or at least make that a, a seven-game series, they need one more scoring threat for me that can – maybe a bit more shooting um, somewhere along those lines. But uh, good season I- for them so far, bro. Yeah, I do agree with you on that, Bogues. I do think that they did set them up. They set themselves up really well with this OG trade to have this guy that could really guard, that could really defend, that could you know, that could make shots. That there's sort of a better winning player than Barrett was. So now they set themselves up, even if they fall short in the playoffs. They got Brunson signed long term. They got all these guys going long term. I think OG's got to do his new deal, but like I think that they're. They're really good going forward. They got to figure out, in my opinion, I think they move Randall um, in the future, depending on who wants them and what they're going to get back. I think they can get that other, you know, more efficient, more consistent second tier guy for Randall. If even if you don't get that second tier, you could maybe get a two and a half, you know, even a, a really good third option that you know, that you put with Brunson and then OG and then you have all these other players that play hard. I mean, I'm really impressed with the precious um um action at your where I'm sorry. At you at you sorry, yeah, apologize Achua, for yep. the pronunciation of the name. But at like sixteen rebounds, eighteen rebounds. He stepped in, you know, after Robinson got hurt and, you know, stepped into the starting role. Um, and played well. And then Hardenstein played well. So guys are stepping up for sure. And I think that they really did a good, the front office did a good job with getting off of Rand, uh, getting off of Barrett and, and quickly. And then they have all these other pieces too, uh, you know, and that, that could really play well for them. Again, they could make shots. DiVincenzo, you know, guys like that, that could really, you know, Josh Hart, obviously, Quentin Grimes plays hard. You know, so they got a bunch of pieces. And I think that if you could deal Randall in the offseason, um, I don't think you're going to deal him with you know, trade deadline because of the injury, but you tr- trade him in the offseason. I think going forward, they could set themselves up. I agree with you. I don't think they can get out of the first. They could probably sneak a couple of games depending on the, you know, who's. Now, the only thing is, Bogues, too, is Phillies without, you know, jo- Joel Embiid. Yeah, it's not healthy. Yeah. Can yeah. they sneak? Yeah, can they sneak it? Now, if they go 4-5 against those guys, they might be able to sneak I them. I think so, too, I yeah. agree with you. Yeah, no Embiid. But, but I mean, Philly's still tough with Maxi. but yeah. But yeah. 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 No, I agree with you. But, like, yeah, they got no chance against Boston. Milwaukee, I think it would be tough, although you never know with Milwaukee, but I think Cleveland, I don't want to Cleveland, ramble. Cleveland would be a decent, decent matchup, too. I think it would be a pretty even series for the most part. Cleveland's balling right now, but I think mm-hmm. – 
you know, that they, they play sim- a similar style, length, yep. defense, athleticism. So who you got this week? Yeah. I've got Cleveland, uh, nine and one, nine out of the last 10. Um, you know, I watched San Antonio play against those guys. Mobley's back, you know, Mobley and Allen. I don't care about the whole play, small play, big thing. Like they're, they reminded me of the, the Lakers when they had Gasol and Bynum. They just like, they don't care. Like you could go small against them. They don't care. They're going to offensive rebound. They're going to cut. They're going to move. They're going to attack you on every possession. They play defense. You know, Donovan Mitchell and Garland and, you know, Garland's back now. You know, Mobley's back now. It, they're a tough, they're a tough matchup. They don't have anybody great in my opinion, but they do play well together. Um, I think they need more shooting to be honest with you. You know, they need, I think they need more perimeter threats. They could stretch the floor, but that Mobley Allen deal is real, really fun to watch, especially when they're moving and cutting, you know, you know, trying to crash boards, offensive rebound. Um, I really like their second unit. You know, Levert plays well, Okoro plays well. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, even George's Yang comes in and does some things. So they're a, they're a tough, they're a tough team. And like you said, they're balling out, you know, nine out of the last 10 and, they're they're for real. I think I don't know about how high they can get, but I think they can get into that four or five range, you know, and maybe sneak in a three depending on how Milwaukee and uh, Philly finishes up. But what are your thoughts on Cleveland Bogues? Have you watched them a little bit? A little bit, yeah. I had them last week in the oh two weeks ago. They were my team. Um, they've continued to play. Um, probably the only reason I didn't pick them again because I picked them last week. But they're 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 about where I thought they'd be. I, I had them at three or four. I think I had them at three just because. Another year together, they're starting to figure it out. They got length, they got some youth about them. Um, you know, that a few of their acquisitions in the off season were were good, solid role players. Um, they got Strauss, Struess, right? Was it was it Struess? Yeah, Struess is playing really well for them. Yeah, I, th- I think he's been a great great acquisition for them. Um, and they just got a good mix of, of of youth, energy, length, athleticism. Like you said, they don't they're not too uh, concerned about trying to match the way other teams play. They play to the strengths of their roster and their length and athleticism, and that's nice to see. I respect that a lot. I like seeing NBA teams do that where they're not trying to just follow the herd and pick and roll, pace and space, as Pro likes to say um, every day, um, and, and hoist up yeah, threes. Right. So so they're doing well. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Cleveland's playing really well. Probably the most probably the most solidly consistent. Them in New York probably over the course of the last month or two have been the most solidly consistent teams um, night in, night out, which has been good. Um, my weak team. How about you go first? Let's see who you picked. I picked the Dallas Mavericks. Um, you know, m- mostly because not look, they're limited, especially when Irving's out. He just you know just started coming back. He's been hurt, but like Grant Williams, you know, not stepping up. Look, he's been inconsistent all year, and I'm not saying that he needs to be your second best player. At best, he's probably your fourth best guy, but. You know, when Irving's out, someone else is going to step up for Luca. Luca can't be scored 90 points. You know, Tim Hardaway Jr. has actually been playing decent, you know, 21 over his last 10. Um, Maxi Kleber just came back from injury, and I, I think he might have got hurt again. But um, they got to they gotta, they gotta show more. You know, they've got good players. You know, Derek Lively's good. You know, Josh Green's been up and down. But, like, they've got to step up, and they've got other players have got to step up besides Luca. And, look. Kyrie Irving, love him, hate him, whatever. I, I think that the one thing you could say about Kyrie is he misses games a bunch. He misses 20, you know, probably 20, 25 games a year, you know, for one reason or another. And this year it's been mostly injury and not other things. 
and like other guys have got to step up. They're NBA players. They've been here for a while. Grant Williams, you know, you always hear about he wants to be that guy. He wants to be that guy. He's got to step up more. I think he's averaging be what guy? seven points. What? Be be better. You know, be, oh, yeah. you know look, every, every he's a good 98% role NBA yeah, he's a good role player, yeah, but like he's never going to be that guy. 98% of NBA players, no, no, not <laughs> even close. 98% of NBA players are delusional, right, about how good they are. And that, that's what makes them good sometimes. But like that, I really weigh that when superstars are out and then these other guys that are fifth, sixth, seventh option, now they, they slide up and they always talk the good game about, look, you know, I don't get my chance, I don't get my chance. I don't know if Grant Williams does that a lot. But look, he was their big signing in the offseason. He was the big, besides Irving's contract, like he was the guy that they got that, you know, they, they, you know, if, if it wasn't Irving or Luca that, you know, swing the ball, it's got to be somebody else. And he hasn't done it. He, he's consistently been inconsistent. And, you know, guys are going to step up. And it's, it's got nothing against Grant Williams. I like Grant's toughness and things, but other guys are going to step up when your superstars are out. And, you know, like I said, Luca just can't do it every night and score 50. Other guys have got to step up. I really like what Derek Lively's been doing consistently every night. He's one of the top three or four rookies in, you know, right now in this class, in my opinion. You know, he's been playing really well. You know, Jaden Hardy's got to show more, you know, and other guys, you know, coming up, you know, Josh Green's got to be consistent, but they just really haven't had many other guys step up besides, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. has done it. Kyrie's, when he plays, he's obviously good. But uh, Josh Green and Grant Williams are going to show more, in my opinion. Kyrie Irving is playing today. Um, at the time of recording, it is halftime. They're down by four to Philly, obviously without Embiid. Um, you've already jinxed Tim Hardaway Jr. since you mentioned his name. He's, he's 0 for 8 tonight. Um, hasn't scored yet. Of course. <laughs> um, Lively's Lively's hurt tonight. Uh, look, um, yep. I think they get maybe a little bit of a pass. They've had a horror on the injuries. They, they seem like they just cannot get a healthy, consistent roster. Josh Green's been out of, yep. in and out of the lineup. As you said, Kleber, Kyrie Irving, Dante Exum is a big out. He was playing really well before he got hurt, and they were starting to find yes. a little bit of form. I think they were starting to play well. Dante gets hurt, so they've got they've had lineups that are all over the place. I mean, most teams deal with that to an extent, um, but I think I'll judge them a little bit more when they're a bit more healthy. But yeah, they, they have been super inconsistent. But I think I give them the benefit of the doubt. Where yeah. I go on to I go on to my team that don't get that benefit of the doubt because they're finally healthy. The Miami Heat they they play worse when they're healthy. <laughs> they really do. Like it's, you know, they've, they've finally got their roster. They they made the trade for Rogier, um, Kyle Lowry, relatively healthy. I mean, Hero's not playing today or didn't play yesterday, but he's been healthy. They got got everyone kind of back. They're two and eight in their last 10. Like just, just cannot find consistency. Obviously they brought Rogier in. So he's adjusting to heat culture and all that kind of stuff and playing with Jimmy and, and and all that. I get all that, but man, two and eight in their last 10, I just feel like they play so much better when they, they have one of these random role players that has to start and play minutes and they just play better that way. It just, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's they're, they're, they're worse. They're worse when they're healthy pro. And it's been, it's been like that for two or three years. You look at their finals run shorthanded role players, having to start some role players, Martin playing out of his mind, you know, like, Kevin Love had a couple of couple of games in the finals and the and the conference final. You just like just random players coming in, they seem better fit. It seems like when they're all healthy, they're just kind of like, well, we're supposed to beat we're supposed to beat whoever we're playing and they're struggling. But they're, you know, they were a top four, top five team. They have now fallen into eighth. I think they are. 
Um, yeah, they're eighth. They are 26 and 24, like I said, two and, t- two and eight in their last 10, just struggling, just struggling. Had a bad month, and, and they're, they're, you know, they're getting closer and closer to that nine seed. Uh, they're three games above, above Chicago, um, and you don't want to be – you know, nine ten in that plane if you can try, try to avoid that. So Miami's kind of a team that I've been looking at very disappointedly in the last month. Yeah, I mean, the trade is different because you get Kyle Lowry. He didn't really need the ball in his hands as far as be, having plays called to him and, 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 and taking a bunch of shots, right? And now you bring in Terry Rogier, who's not a point guard. He's, you know, he's a very poor, 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 poor man's Dwayne Wade, right? He's a combo guard that starts at point guard. That's not an efficient player. He scores, you know, he really scores when he has the ball in his hands at all times. Now it's a tough lineup when you have Ter- Roger and Hero in the same lineup where they both need the ball. They and both Butler. dribble it. You know, they dribble. Yeah. What's up? And Butler as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's three and guys. Butler, yeah. Right. But those two guys, like their captain, their colonel and general and colonel bad shot, Roger and Hero, right? And then Butler does his thing, but um, it's it's a tough dynamic when you have a guy, a point guard. Look, Lowry wasn't a perfect point guard, right? He's you know he's he's basically at the end of the line for him, and it's an upgrade in talent. But what the dynamic of the team? You got a guy who's a much better scorer, more dynamic player, but he's inefficient. He needs the ball in his hands constantly, and he dribbles the air out of it. So it's 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 just a tough dynamic to get used to. I think they're gonna get better. You know, they're, they're really struggling right now. I think they will get better come March and April. And let's be honest, that's 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 where you want your teams to be in March and April. They're going to struggle right now. You know, they are where the Clippers were when they got hearted, in my opinion. They're not as good as the Clippers, don't get me wrong. But you know how that was. You know, they were terrible. They were flatlining. 90% of the media thought they were going to, you know, barely make the playing game. And now they're, they're you know, they're playing, you know, a month later, six weeks later, they're, now they're they were really rolling, and I I don't think they're going to be as good. Miami, don't get me wrong, but I think they'll be much better. I think when all said and done, they'll get into that four, five, six seed. You know, I think they will play better. They will figure it out. They get you know, if not the best coach in basketball, one of the top four or five. They do have talent. They just got to. I think it is a different dynamic with Rogier on the team. Everybody's got to figure some things out. They they ha- you know they are healthy. But they 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 definitely got to get used to Rogier and the way he plays and figuring things out. Because I think, to be honest with you, I'd probably play Jimmy Butler a point guard than giving the ball to either one of those other two because yeah. they're just going to launch up shots. They're not good with the ball as far as getting you an offense, giving it to guys where they need it when they need it. Yeah, and, and look, Jimmy Jimmy has looked frustrated the last couple of games. Uh, he's been stuck in the corner and off the ball, and that that swing swing isn't coming as crisply as it once was. But I, I think the the point you make around Lowry, look, Lowry was they've got. A younger, better talent, and sh- and obviously want to get away from, from from Larry's deal. But you know, it's Larry was a, a great role player for him that didn't need the ball, but he guarded. You know, he's one of the best. One, of, I think he's always top five in charges taken. Always gives his body up, uh, picks up full court, like uh, kind of an agitator defensively. And you're not getting that with Rogier, so you lose that defensively. You improve offensively, but like you said. He's more of a the ball stops with me kind of guy. So whereas Lowry would be happy to swing it if he wasn't open. So it'd be interesting to see if they can continue to you know go heat culture as they burst into the playoffs like they did last season, or if it's if it's just going to be a up and down 
talented team that we kind of don't know where they stand unless pro they they have a few injuries late season and they surge again that could that could be the possibility for them maybe, so maybe we'll all four, maybe four out of their starting five should go down with sprained ankles then they'll, <laughs> yeah, they then they'll be balling. like the 86 celtics and they make the finals yeah. somehow all right nba all-star have the, the starters and reserves we don't have to get too much into this but we'll just read them out starters for the east Giannis, joel Embiid, tatum halliburton lillard and then the reserves are Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown, Adebayo, Julius Randle, Tyrese Maxey, and bon- Banchero. And then out west, you have LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Nikola Jokic, Doncic, SGA with OKC. Reserves, Anthony Edwards, Steph Curry, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, Devin Booker, Paul George, Carl Anthony Towns. I'm going to read out a few of the snubs. I want you to tell me who you think the biggest snub is out of, the, out of this list in your opinion. you got Rudy Gobert. Uh, obviously, the you know number one, number two seed. Um, he got snubbed. Wimbun Yama was on a snub list, but I think we both agree he shouldn't be in because they they suck. Um, and he's probably gonna get Rookie of the Year anyway, so he'll be okay. Uh, who else do we have here? I've got Derek White, Boston Celtics. He was snubbed. Brandon Ingram, New Orleans Pelicans on the snub list. Porzingis was on the snub list from Boston. Jamal Murray with the Nuggets. I think injury might have hurt him early on, but he's been snubbed. Sabonis with the Kings. De'Aaron Fox with the Kings. The Kings have no All-Stars, which is interesting. Scotty Barnes with the Raptors, having a career year, but probably record-wise. And then Trey Young was the number one snub with the Atlanta Hawks. Who would you have in out of those 10? Because don't forget, Embiid's probably going to be out, so there will be a replacement out east for sure. Yeah. Um, But who do you have as your biggest snub this season? I would say Sabonis would probably be the biggest. Um, and if I was going to go like 1B, I don't know. It'll be between, it'll be between Trey Young and Derek White. Look, like guys in Boston are swearing up and down that White should have been in the All-Stars. And, you know, look, White's a great winning player. I just don't see him like as an All-Star, All-Star type guy. I think he's a winning player for sure. But I just don't think he's – like that. Trey Young probably brings a little bit more flair to it. But I think Sabonis leading the league in rebounding. Um, you know, the, the Kings aren't exactly the 14th seed. They are playing well. He does play hard every night. He, I, I would assume that that, be my, that might be one guy. Look, the Minnesota thing with, um, you know, with Gorbert, I get it. But, yeah, yeah, they got two in. Maybe they should have three. Who knows? I hate the All-Star game, as we all know. But you know, I, I would say I would say Sabonis probably is probably the biggest one, and it's not even a big snub to be honest. I think that you know, I think it's hard when you're coming down to the nitty gritty of the of the eleven, twelve spot. It's you know, you're gonna have to make some tough decisions, and these guys are very good players. But I, I would think that I don't think there's anybody blatant that like you know that I'm kicking and screaming that should have made the All Star team. What about what do you think, Bo? Yeah, I think Sabonis is the 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 the, num- the one guy that you'd probably have in. I mean, the Lakers getting two guys in as a nine seed. Um, That's a joke. That you know, Davis prob- numbers wise, okay, but as a nine seed, and you can't give me yeah. one guy from a fifth seed Sacramento Kings team. That's probably the bias of the big market Lakers, which it is what it is. We all know, we all know it occurs. But I think if you're below that that six seed in respective conferences, you shouldn't have two players on. I mean. You know, Steph's obviously killing it and, and playing very well. He's he, probably his amount of work that he's done historically has got him in. But there, the other pe- people have said there's people that have said they're a 12 seed. Like, so do you value winning for the All Star game, or do you 
you know, I think Steph's obviously one of the best shooters in in, in the league, but people can argue that well, yeah. are we valuing winning or not, you know? So that that makes things yeah. tough as well. I don't think you value anything in the fucking all-star game book, to be honest with you. You know <laughs> well, what I'm saying? So it doesn't fucking matter. They're fixed at pro. Yeah, back that, to East-West, that's fixed everything. But, yeah, the snob thing is always hard. Um, yeah, to me, like, you need Steph in. Like, Steph, that's like Michael Jordan. Let's be honest. The fucking guy's like, he's one of the closest things to Jordan you're going to see in our in, in this era just because of what he brings. And the guy, the guy brings it every night, you know, 30 points a game and doing what he does. You know, I wouldn't put multiple guys in. There should be a rule, though. Like I said, I don't give two fucks, but there there should be a rule about like seeding in what you get. Like one, two seed, you get two or more, and then everything yeah. else is whatever. I, I think below that yeah. six, you can't have more. I think if you're below the six, the break for the playing, yeah. one yeah. max per team. Like you shouldn't have two. Like you, you can't be a nine seed and have two players in. Like it's ridiculous, in my opinion, right? I no. think, I, I, and I think the fact that a five seed has zero and a nine seed has two, you know, it's not, it's that's not right. I think that, that there should be some value around winning. So, but uh, yeah, right. we, we don't have to discuss this much more because I don't know, all star no. game as it is, I'm not going to tune in for it. All right, Adam Silver signs a deal to remain commissioner at the end of the decade. I don't have to get too far into that, but he's there till 2030. Um, done some good things, done some interesting things. I think he's, you know, the league's in a pretty good spot. I'm interested to see, we're all interested to see where the TV deal eventuates, streaming, cable TV, all that kind of stuff. We've, we've discussed that to death, but that's probably going to be his his legacy piece. You know, David Stern had, had different things that he transitioned the league from, from, you know, just another league to NBA sports entertainment worldwide. I think um, China as well with David Stern, Adam Silver's legacy is going to be around what can you do in the current climate with so many avenues for, you know, entertainment and streaming and social media and so many distractions and so many competitors for teenagers and, 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 you know, young adults. And there's so many things that you can spend your money in and watch, right? Um, his, I think legacy piece is going to be, how does this eventuate with the TV deal and how does it set the NBA out for its next decade? Um, but all in all, done a pretty decent job, I believe, um, throughout throughout his tenure so far. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the league is – I mean, it's obviously what David Stern started and he sort of carried that. And look, he's different than David Stern. He's more a pro player versus anything else and he's trying to make as much money possible – where David Stern was a little bit, a lot tougher on things, but look, he, he's got to deal with a lot of things, a lot of different, like you said, a lot of different competition with um, eyes and streaming, but he's got this gambling thing and he's doubling down on a bunch of stuff. And um, it'll be, like you said, it'll be interesting what the TV deal brings, but yeah, he's been good. I mean, he, you know, um, is he David Stern? Who knows? I don't, I don't, I don't think so, but, like he's done a good job. I wouldn't say he's done a bad job or, um, you know, I, I think by signing him, look, going forward, I think everybody's sort of behind him on, on most of the things that he does. So, yeah, I think I think it's a good signing. I think it's, it, it's good news. Yep. All right. Adrian Griffin fired from Milwaukee Bucks. This happened a couple of days after our last podcast. Um, Doc Rivers gets hired, signs three-year, $40 million. Apparently it was rumored that, Doc Rivers was advi- was an advisor to Adrian Griffin um, mm-hmm. from when he got the job. Uh, not by the Bucks, I don't think. I think it was more of an individual basis, um, I'm led to believe. Yeah. But 
interesting move. Uh, Griffin kind of the knife went in when apparently, you know, players frustrated with how he changed their defensive schemes uh, as opposed to what they did the last couple of previous seasons. You know, I was taking Lopez out of a room protection drops roll. What that means is any pick and rolls, generally you want to keep Lopez around the basket, was one of the best shot blockers in the league over the last couple of seasons. He was trying to get him out and about more and trying to get him out of the paint to stop the ball, a point of attack much higher. Lopez super frustrated with that. Yana super frustrated with that. Um, different team as well. So look, from Griffin's point of view, you got a really poor on-ball defender in Dame Lillard at that end. You had Drew Holiday um, the previous couple of seasons. So maybe in Griffin's – if I'm arguing for Griffin, I'm saying – you know, we don't have a, an absolute bulldog that's going to chase through that screen to to chase him to the basket to you, Lopez, so you can block the shot or Giannis. We've got Dame Lillard who's basically gets hit by a screen and is not very, very good at the snotty strength. He's a killer at the offensive end. He's poor defensively. Um, that is rumoured as why they moved off him. Um, he had the fallen out with Terry Stotts in the preseason, which I don't think helped his case. Uh, I think – Terry and Giannis, from what I understand, were pretty close. That didn't help. But then for Doc Rivers to just come and swoop in and get given the keys to a team that has championship potential is interesting within itself. It's very, very similar to kind of the Boston rerun all over again, going through all that. But what are your thoughts on it? Just another day in the office in the NBA, or do you think there's more to it? Well, Bogues, the biggest thing, the biggest thing that we just have to understand is most of his most of his good players shut off, shut him off. And I think that you could say, well, you know, he's a number one, number two seed team. He won all those games. Why are you giving up on him? Bad move, doc, all this stuff. Well, twofold. One is his best players shut him off. You know, there was video of like Giannis drawing up a play to mock him yeah, on the bench. <laughs> yeah, that. like – you know, regardless of what you think of, of things, you can't have as an owner or a GM, you can't have a rudderless ship. You know, I've I've been around coaches that have done things where the players totally said, oh, we're fucking shutting this guy off, it's over, it's done. And then it's just it's it's a very cringeworthy plate to, to see that stuff. It's like nails on a chalkboard twenty four seven. So that's one. That the Doc Rivers thing, look, Doc Say what you want about Doc. Like, I mean, he had the upper hand. He had all the advantages of this negotiation. He's 100%. the best guy available. You need somebody. You can't have Joe Prunty or another assistant take over that's never been there. You've got aging team. You've got, you know, Giannis, who's turning into a little bit of a diva these days. He's disgruntled. You've got an aging team that has a window of right now. If you bring in the wrong guy, Look, Doc might be the right guy. He might be the wrong guy. Who knows? But if you bring in a guy that doesn't have it and those players smell blood in the water, you're fucked. You're completely screwed if that's the case. They got a guy that, you know, that's not afraid to, you know, he doesn't give it like Doc doesn't care. He's going to go in like, you know, he's not going to be, he's not a guy that's going to take a backseat to anybody. So he'll, he'll go at you if you need to, you need be. Look, he's got his pluses and minuses as a coach like every coach in the league. But he's the best guy available. He had negotiate. He had all the upper hand in this negotiation. No one out. They're not going to hire anybody else. There was really no good second place guy. And like I said, you might like him, you might hate him. But look, 
Now, all the guys shut down on Griffin. You need a replacement. He's the best guy available. A lot of money to spend. But what are you going to do? And look, but the, the, the trend on this is every year now in the last few years, it's keeping Giannis happy. And that's a little scary because like, it, it becomes a little LeBron-ish where everything you do is never good enough. There's always something else. And look, they did this Lillard trade because of him. You know, they've got his brother on scholarship. You know, so like they've got a lot of things going there, right? And fucked up, you know, bro. It's it's it gets a little scary. A three million dollar scholarship. That's great. I mean, look, Giannis, Giannis is like LeBron, where LeBron had all his guys on payroll. Oh, that's great. Where he's got you know he'll he'll back his family, man, and you know like love it or hate it, that's what they got. But like, it's never going to be perfect. That's the thing. Their roster isn't very. It isn't a great roster. You know, it, they lost a lot of depth off their bench. They made a move to get Lillard. Progress is never free. They give up all these players to get to get you know Lillard. That's just that's the cost of doing business. But yeah, I think I think uh, the Drew Holiday and Grayson Allen losses were were the two biggest for me. I think they they were yeah. they're both great defenders. Allen's got some shit to him. Drew's got some shit to him. Okay, you don't have as much offense as Dane, but I I think they're living the reality now of what you've. I've said this from the start, you gave up a shitload of defense for a shitload of offense. I didn't think their offense was that bad in the first place. Yeah, maybe it dried up in yeah. that in that Miami series, but Miami went on that 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 crazy hot streak. It was like a like a casino yeah. though, you know, at a roulette table and just kept hitting red and red and red. And, you know, everyone ran into that bus all like they beat some good teams along the way. But I mean Giannis is contracted um up until twenty six, twenty seven, then he has an then there's a player option. So but also, bro, like Seeing a team that's second in their respective conference fire their coach a third a third of the way through the season Agreed. is insane. Agreed. Like it's 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 and I guess I I hundred percent agree. I think this has all come down to Giannis, where he said something's something's happened. Like you know, he's like, this is not our guys. We're seeing too many problems. We need to move off him. And and they listen to their veteran and the veteran superstar and MVP, and and he's gone. But to do it, but you can understand if they were like five six scratching a playing like what are we as a team they were second to boston who were picked by pretty much anyone who knows the nba to be one clear number one they brought in dame they've changed their system a little bit and they're still two that's a head scratcher to me um but that's why i think there's more to it i think something's happened behind closed doors that we don't know about don't know what but i i think there's some, maybe headbutting between him and Giannis. Maybe there's something personal. Maybe there was maybe since the Terry Stotts thing, there's been some animosity, and and Giannis was looking for an excuse. Who knows? But I can I can definitely see something more happening there. But it is it is a crazy world, pro, where you get where a number two seed, you know, fires their coach a third of the way in the season. Um, and and, and, and yeah, as players, you, folks, as players, you got to be like. Now again, I'm not there, so I can't. I don't know what happened there. But as players, like if Lopez, like Lopez. Is very frustrated about where he's playing defensively. Like he can't go in, and, and I love Lopez. I love him as a person, and I love him as a player. But he can't go in to Griffin and be like, "Dude, I don't want to do this. This ain't working for me. Come on, like watch my defense the last couple of years. I'm the best rim protector in the league. Like, can we change it? Like Giannis can't come in and be like, you know, like talk. Now maybe they have, and maybe they did, and maybe Griffin didn't want to change it. I don't know." But they their their bench got considerably weaker mm -hmm. when Terry Stoss left that building. Like you need that presence on the bench. When you got when you get bad Christmas on that bench, no presence, 
when you got no presence on that bench, bro, <laughs> again, those players are looking back and they got, they got flat liners that they're looking at for coaches. You know, Terry Stotts has great presence. He's a very good coach, very good with players. And you take that off and you replace him with someone who doesn't have that, that's a big deal. But when you got players like mocking your coach, drawing up plays, you got – Yeah, that's you know, crazy. You, you know, you, even even yeah, there's, a, there's a bunch of clips. Yeah, a bunch of clips of Lopez losing his marbles at the bench every time he's supposed yeah. to like show on a screen and they get by him. There's no one helping helping the helper. I saw all those clips and it was, it was, it was glaring. It was glaring. And I, I, I play with Griffin. I play with Adrian Griffin, by the way. Um, you know, he was – Yeah. Scott Skiles loved him because he was a kind of a player coach. He was that veteran guy that wasn't going to play but was there to make sure everything was in check in the locker room and pretty smart guy, didn't really talk a lot, um, was yeah. kind of pretty reserved, but you could tell he had some shit to him. And maybe that rub guy's the wrong way. Who knows? But, yeah, man, it's he, not good. Yeah, he started his NBA career when I was in Boston. He was a CBA guy. He moved in. He's one of the better, grittier defenders you know, in the league, not not all defense or whatever, but he was a very gritty type player. And um, look, man, it, it, it is what it is. But like as a coach, you also got to know that, you know, you you got to have your, your players got to have your back. And like there's some hills that you want to die on, no doubt about it. But if it's about, look, I want you to show and your bet, one of your better players is saying, no, I want to fucking play at the rim. Now, if Robin Lopez said he wants to play at the rim or fucking show, you're gonna, dude. You're gonna do whatever the fuck I tell you to. But <laughs> yeah. with your starter, best rim protector in the league, you got. Mm-hmm. It's a little different, and you know that's that's a big problem. So, I mean, look, they got they got a good coach right now. They're second in the league, the second in the East or whatever. I mean, there's there's a lot worse stuff, I guess, that could be happening right now. But like you, you heard the stories about Spolstra struggling early, and all those guys want. LeBron want going, you know, LeBron, D. Wade, and Bosch going into Pat Riley's office saying that we need to fire him and they, him telling those guys to fuck off. Like, you know, that's different though. Like, they, sometimes I mean, Griffin doesn't have yeah. that kind of track record. He hasn't been in the organization as a film coach and video coach and worked his way up. A different situation, but True, I, I agree. But- um, but I think I think Milwaukee's so so on edge about Giannis pushing that trade button. Yeah. Um, but that, you know. But but like LeBron though he's going through coaches. This is his third guy. He's definitely had something to do with both these guys getting fired. He may mm-hmm. not have pushed it, but he definitely had to get okayed it. And then also he was the one who picked this guy. So yeah. as a as a player, no one ever tells these players. Well, no one likes to tell them the truth anyway because no everybody lies to them. But like if you're gonna make these decisions and be the guy in the organization. You got to take some responsibility and accountability, and, and and it's just typical NBA boats. It's like the guy definitely had something to do with him being fired, even though he was the one who brought him in and made the choice. And then he's he's right there getting interviewed, saying, "Oh, I love him. He's great." Well, if you yeah. love him, he's fucking great. Why isn't he there right now? Yeah, Why I think, I think right looking now? back for Bud, they should just get Bud. In my opinion, I mean, uh, Bud had his yeah. issues, but to, to move off a championship coach that quickly, this is kind of the you know, the, the tornado effect that you're going to have now. Yeah, you know, you're going to be the slightest bit of adversity or things not going your way or oh, I don't like the system. It's like fire the coach. Now, now you, as as an organization, Milwaukee, you've set the precedence that that's, that's the way we'll treat things. So, you know, now I, I guess the Doc Rivers thing has got a bit more uh, leverage and a bit more um, power because he's been that guy. Like I've, I've worked with Kevin Garnett and I got them to win. Like, you, you know, 
that'll come to a head eventually where Giannis sit down, shut up, you know, and that's probably why Doc's been brought in with a with with a name which which will which will be interesting to watch. But they they're not playing great by any means. They're five and five in their last nope. ten. I caught the I caught the first quarter against Dallas. They gave up forty five points in the first quarter. They ended up winning that game. Yeah. I caught their game yesterday against Utah. They squandered that in the fourth quarter, horrifically. They were up the whole game. They should have won that game, and Utah just overran them. Bucks couldn't score, so a lot of work to do. But we'll see how it goes. A few trades: Rosier to Miami for Larry in a first round pick. We'll discuss that. Stephen Adams to the Houston Rockets. Um, a lot of Australians were in a panic until they realized that uh, Stephen Adams is out for the season. He's not playing. So I was saying, oh, shit, Jock's definitely not going to play now. But he's out for the season. He won't play till next season, but a good insurance package for them. Zach Levine hurt out for the season, going to get surgery. Hard to trade now for him. That's probably as much movement as we've got. Pro, we don't need to get into that too much. I want to move on to the fact that um, the one the one time this podcast in the last three years, you you know give a compliment to Tristan Thompson and and talk about his great role playing on our podcast. Literally the very next fucking day that podcast drops, he gets suspended for 25 games for doping. <laughs> and, and I sent it to you. I'm like, you know, that is no, ultimate jinx. I think jinx. I sent it to you. I think I sent it to you. Yeah, whatever it was. was like, I'm just like, what? But I was like, if you're – if you're doping to be a role player, man, like it's time to retire. Like if you need to, if you need drugs to get yourself up for a five to ten minute role of coming in, hitting people, grabbing a couple of rebounds, your body's that messed up that you need to dope for that. Time to shut it down. Like I, I get, I understand to an extent that there is some players out there that have been rumored to be doping that play very high level minutes and they do it mainly for recovery reasons. I understand if you're, you know, thirty, forty, fifty million. Even twenty million, even fifteen million. <laughs> you're a vet min guy, um, and you're doping to play minimal minutes. Uh, head scratching, but yeah, he's he's got twenty five games, bro. I blame you, Bogues. If you ever saw him doing ESPN in, in analyst work, trust me, I think ESPN fed him that fucking drug to get him the fuck out of there because he wasn't great. <laughs> he wasn't great. So, um, it's the last guy. That's time I compliment anybody because every time I do it, man. I, I I always pay the piper with it, so I I just better just start just keep talking shit because when I talk good about you, it's never good. It's it's always to me, it's it's role players that played no minutes are the ones that always get busted. Are we are we yeah. that are we that silly to believe there's no stars that are taking? He didn't, go, he didn't go to Miami for a week to hang out and then play like Superman when he comes back. The last guy I remember I mean, that got done was Nick Calathis, I think. Like yeah, for ma- mass, mass games. Yeah. And, now, and you're Nick just Calathis like, they're the guys, the NBA. That's what you're selling us. They're the only guys in the, mm-hmm. in the whole league that are that are barely playing or they're role players and they get 25 plus games. Interesting um, conversation for Amazing. another day. All right, people losing their minds, well, a couple of players, Raymond Green specifically, and a couple other guys are starting to lose their minds about the 65 game rule pro um, because of the Embiid injury, saying that now you now Embiid was playing through injuries where he shouldn't be playing because he wants to get to the 65 games to be eligible for MVP. It's not fair. What are your thoughts on it, pro? Um, before I, I give you mine, what do, what do you think about? I mean, I know we've both been against the heavy resting, but what do you think about 65? My thoughts. My thoughts, Bogues, is this: regardless of where you are on this or, on this argument, you know, for or against, it was collectively bargained. It, the players' association okayed it. They they okayed the deal. And to me, I think playing, I think you, I think playing sixty five games isn't too much to ask. 
No, everybody wants to do the right thing until it's time to do the right thing. Everybody was okay with it. No one had a problem with it until it affects you. And then, of course, it's going to be, well, you know, he played, he had to play through these injuries. No doubt about it. Look, I'm, I'm sure he played a little hurt and it happened. It's an unlucky play. No one's a fucking doctor here. Draymond Green definitely isn't a doctor. I know he was speaking about it and, you know, that it was already weak in the first place. Yeah, he's banged up, but that's collectively bargained. As a group, that's your leadership okaying that deal. You didn't have to okay it. The league, you know, you and the league talked about it. You signed the deal. Good deal, bad deal, whatever. You signed it, and that's what it is. I think that 65 games isn't too much to ask to be, you know, you, you look at the past of Michael Jordan, like, you know, he played 82 games about eight seasons out of his career, probably more than that. There's a bunch of guys who played a bunch of games and barely missed with way less sports science, with way worse travel, with way less everything. And to ask you to play 65 games and the money that you're making, especially in being a superstar, that, look, it is what it is. But again, you signed it, you live it up to it, good or bad, you roll with it because that's the deal you signed. You can't sign the deal and it doesn't come your way. And now all of a sudden you're up in arms about it. I get it. Guy, guy was front runner or at least the top two, you know, for the MVP. No doubt about that. But you signed the deal and nobody complained about it too much until it starts affecting people and you get a little unlucky in injury. So I think it's a deal that you signed. I'm big on showing up. I'm big on playing. Do you have to play 82 games? No. But, you know, if you play 70 games, 72 games, I'm with you on that. 65 isn't that, isn't that much to ask. And I, I'm, I, these guys are up in arms because it affects them. And now, now everybody wants to pile on. And I, I think that that's, that's, that's pretty weak, in my opinion. I, I agree. I, I agree about the 65 games. I think it should be it should be. And look, most most player bonuses have always been around 65 games historically. Like it's it's before the CBA collective uh, bargaining agreement um, was was bargained, right? Like I had a bonus for an NBA all defensive team. Had to play 65 games. I played 68 that year, and I got the bonus. Right? It was it was linked to the 65 games. But where I also think the issue is here is Embiid's kind of showing his hand that he was chasing this individual award. So if he was banged up, well, guess what? You might need to sacrifice an individual player award for the, for the betterment of your team. So if I'm, if I'm banged up and I need to get to 65 games and I've got 10 games left in the season, I need to get ready for the playoffs and I've got an injury that you know I probably shouldn't be playing on right now, but I want to play to get my 65 and I hurt myself even more because what are you playing for at that point? You're not playing for a championship. You're playing simply for an award. And yes, I understand it's for, for a lot of money. The MVP is a huge award. It brings all the marketing, all the endorsements. It sets you in a different era, Hall of Fame, all that kind of stuff. Totally get it. But there might need to be a conversation around teams now saying, okay, we're going to play you, Joel, but you're not going to play. You know, that 70-point game, you played, how much minutes did he play that game? You know, do you need to play that many minutes? They'll, they'll blow on San Antonio out at one point, right? Like, so, okay, you, you, you're saying – I, I need to get to my 65 for my individual accolades, but now I got hurt. You've put the team in jeopardy now. So now the team's in a shit fight. Now if I'm the team and I've got a guy like Joel Embiid, I'm going to play you 25 to 28 throughout the course of the season for the most part. I'm going to play you less minutes if, you, if you're adamant on playing when you're banged up. The training staff say, look, he can go tonight, but he probably shouldn't play 40. Cool, good enough for me. We're going to, we're going to put it in a way that even if we lose the game, better than resting him, we're just going to play him less minutes. So – 
I think it's a tough one and it actually outs players is to show what your true colors are about. Are your true colors are about that individual award and that bonus or are they about your team getting to the, the playoffs, especially a team like Philly? They're, they're potentially, they're top four in the East. They, they could scrape into a conference finals championship potentially with the right bounces and the right the right hot run. So I think this shows that. But, uh, you know, to, to go now and change that rule, I think they had to do it um, funnily enough, Trent mentioned before we went online, the one the, the one team that's been great with all this is the Clippers. <laughs> the most notorious team for it the last three or four years. The rules come yeah. in, and I think they've also – I also think there's an element that reality set in for them. We need these guys to play together. We need them to play together mass minutes. We can't keep – Paul, you play this game, Kawhi. They need to play together mass games, and you've yeah. seen the result now. They've played together – and they're on this hot run because they're actually going through the ups and the downs of good game, shitty game, that bad start. They've, they've worked through it with with guys playing. Now, they don't have the excuse of, oh, well, the playoffs come, we're not going to do this anymore, everyone's going to play, but they never play together. So I think it's an interesting it's an interesting debate, but just seeing guys going crazy about it, I don't agree with that. I think the rule's there for a reason. I'm big on fans seeing star players play. They pay tickets months, weeks in advance, Some you know, usually a season in advance, I'll circle a game on a calendar coming into their town. For some of these families, it's one or two games they get to go to. They want to see that superstar. This rule encourages that superstar to play. But now, you know, yep. individuals have to give up a bit of selfishness and say, shit, I am banged up. I know that award's in jeopardy, but I'm going to I'm gonna rest or, or, or I'm going to play limited minutes this game and let the coaches know that I'm banged up. Folks, look, everybody likes to complain about, you know, playing, resting, all they care about is their players playing majority of people. All they care about is them being healthy in April, May, and June. That's it. And if you rest guys and they bitch, they're going to bitch at you for resting. If you rest guys and the guy got hurt, well, you rested them too much. If you play them all the time and they get hurt and they're going to bitch about them playing you know, and getting hurt, yeah, it's lose, you can lose. never do anything right. You can never do anything right. But also, Joel Embiid has never been in great shape. He's never been in great shape. And that's something on him that he's got to step his game up to. Look, injuries suck. And a lot of injuries are freakish. It's a cut. It's a move. It's getting undercut. It's, it's just a freakish play that happens most of the time. So I don't think there's a perfect way to do this. Rest, not rest, what have you. But he def it's not on him. He got hurt. It is what it is. Maybe he's chasing. Maybe he's not. Who knows? But I do know this. He's never been in great shape. And he never finishes seasons well because he's never in great shape. And that, that says a lot because the guy dominates and he's not in great shape. You know, and now, you know, look, whatever happens going forward with his injury, I think he needs to take the offseason to really get himself in great shape and maintain that throughout the year. And that's on there. You know, that, that's on somebody to keep that guy in great shape. But yeah, and, 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 the it's, last it's couple, and, the, and last season, even with that MVP chase, that he was he was notoriously going after it. And fair enough, he, he was he was going after it. He burned himself. He was burned out by the playoffs. Like, he, he couldn't he could yeah. not move in the playoffs as well as he did in the regular season. And, and it looks like a similar thing. Like, you're going for these individual awards, trying to play, you know, as many games as you can, get your numbers up. But, you know, it, it is hard to play. Even, even if you're healthy and in great shape, it's hard to get to 100 games. Hard to get to, to, to yeah. playing as well as you did in those 82. Let's say you play 70 of them and then playing another good 10 or 15 games to get your team deep into a playoff run or, or a finals run. It's hard to do. Yeah. And I think that's probably been the one knock on Embiid is, is we're with Jokic, MVP led to a championship, right? So 
Um, yeah, it is interesting. And I just, I just think the, the players firing up about it, it's being, being kind of, even some commentators saying that, you know, the rule isn't good now and this and that. You got TV money at stake, you got a lot of things at stake. They had, they had to do it. So um, I'm for the 65 games, but I think now teams need to look at minutes, balancing those out, and players also need to put their hand up when they are really banged up and, and not chase those individual awards. Moving on to uh, Aussie of the Week, Pro. I'm going to let you pick this one. It was a harder one to pick, not a harder one to pick, but I'm going to give you all the numbers this week and you're going to let me know who you think should get it. Dante Exum, uh, he's only played two games since January 1. He's got a knee issue now. He's in and out of the lineup, but he was 7.5 points, one rebound, 2.5 assists in just two games since January 1. Dyson Daniels, 2.6 points, 3.1 rebounds, 2.3 assists, 1.1 steals. Josh Green, 13.1 points. 3.6 3.6 rebounds, 2.8 assists, 14 for 31 from three. Joe Ingles, 3.3 points, 1.8 rebounds, 1.3 assists, 6 for 20 from three. And a viral clip uh, that I'm, I'm oh. sure you saw, Pro, uh, with him bending someone over the sideline, literally. I know pun intended. He was bending someone over a sideline. Um, I actually sent him, a, sent him the video and uh, he said, that won us the game, bro. We got an extra possession. So that was his reply. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jock Landale, four points, 2.7 rebounds, 1.2 assists, still in and out of the lineup, up and down, Helter Skelter. They played Boban ahead of him a couple of nights ago. It, it's kind of – it's very similar to that patch that he had in in uh, Phoenix last season where is it is it going to, is it not? What's his role? It's we worse. still don't know. Yeah, it's worse. Yeah, it's, it's worse. It's yeah, worse. It's getting, yeah, it's worse. So he's, he's, he's not playing much there. Paddy Mills – Cracked the rotation a little bit, but still primarily garbage time. He had a, he had a nice little run rotation-wise, but it's fallen back down. He's at 2.5 points, 1.2 rebounds. Um, so good to see him getting some minutes. The shot's not there. He's he's totally um, totally shooting the ball. Not great at the moment. I think he had three or four games with zero. So, But it is tough for him. He's, he's getting spot minutes, three or four minutes at a time. Doesn't make a shot. They're dragging. But he had one game, I think, in double digits. Matisse. 6.1 points, 1.8 rebounds, 1.4 assists, 1.4 steals. Josh Giddy, 11.5 points, 6.7 rebounds, 4.5 assists, one block per game, five for 22 for three. So he's lost his three ball in that span. To Op Reith, 6.8 points, 2.5 rebounds, one assist, nine for 19 from three. Min- his minutes have been down because of a guy, uh, Aiden, has been back in the lineup. Um, so not as much minutes there. And Ben Simmons back, two games back. Since his injury, five points, eight point five rebounds, nine assists off the bench for Brooklyn. Who do you have out of those, Pro? Who would you give our uh, Aussie of the week to? I would say Josh Green. Okay, he said thirteen points, right? Yep, thirteen points. Yeah, uh, shooting the ball well from three, three Res- rebounds, that's respectable. Three, three, three assists. I'm good with that. I mean, Josh Giddy. Um, decent numbers as usual, 11, six and five, but bad shooting clips and a little bit less shooting. He's still kind of minutes are still interesting to watch with OKC. It does not, he's not in a lot of late game situations. Um, and he's still generally in the mid twenties. So we will give it to Josh Green. That's his first, put the asterisk there for Mr. Josh Green. That's his first, um, Aussie of the week. And I think he's having a really good game today as well. So good time to pick him. Do you think? Um, fact or fake news early in the segment. Do you think the uh, the NBA players is going to start putting in their contracts if they win multiple Aussies of the week that they get bonuses, or do you think that it could be something that we could work out? Yeah, they'll have to play eighty five regular season games though to get the award. 
for a bonus. That's a good point. 85 Ouch. regular season. No, sorry, 80, 82, right? 83, 83 regular, regular season games. 83. <laughs> they hit All 83. Right, could... They get a million dollars from both of us. All right. There you go. Done. All right, stats, useful or useless? It's an interesting one I saw pop up, bro. So 60 plus point individual games in the NBA. Okay. Mm-hmm. From 1985 to 2004, so we're saying roughly mm-hmm. a 20 year span, there were 10. 60-point games over that span, over 20 years. From 2004 to 2022, so 18 18 years, there were 24 60-point games, 60-plus-point games. The last 13 months, Pro, there's been 10. Useful, useless. Well, it's useful for sure. It's useful for sure. And, you know, the question is, is it offense getting better? Is it defense getting worse? Is it the whole triple double thing from a few years ago because it's cool to get a triple double and everybody was chasing triple doubles is it like i gotta chase it now because all these other guys are chasing it now there's only a select player select few players that could actually get this thing done but it's definitely it's definitely you know useful i i think i I think (laughs) there's something definitely to be said and studied about why or how and and all that. What, what do you think, folks? Yeah, useful. I think the the officiating definitely plays a part. And, and people will say, well, the defense has so much more advantages today. But it's it's just knowing that you can't have an armbar on someone's drive where you could back in the day where it's the straight line opportunities. The reason why 1985 was picked as well, because pre that, Will Chamberlain, uh, Will Chamberlain, sorry, had uh, had some <laughs> a fair few 60 plus performances. So that's probably why they picked 85. Mm-hmm. But it still goes to show you over, over the course of two decades, or basically 40 years, we had 34 60-point games. Um, in the last 13 months, we've had 10. So on that trajectory, this next decade or two decades, you know, you'll have three, four, three, four hundred of them if we keep going this way. So, and just just a note on that: 60-point games over the age of 35. Only been two guys to ever do it. They are over 35. Um, yeah. Kobe and Chamberlain. Kobe and Steph. Some guys over the, over the age go. of 35. All right, Billy Mack, the Lakers commentator pro, mm-hmm. he dropped this on their own telecast. So the, the Lakers commentator dropped this. I don't know why, but you got to love that uh, usually there's the biggest homers in the world, but he dropped this during one of their games against Houston last week. The Lakers have shot 233 more free throws than their opponents coming into last week's game. So that means head-to-head in a game. So every game, the disparity, you add those all up, it's 233 uh, more than their opponent. Far and away ahead of the second place team. Oddly, the Lakers are dead last in drives to the basket, bro. Um, now, people have fired up saying, well, the Lakers post up more than most teams. Fair enough. Um, I'll give you that. But when you look at disparity, the Lakers, I think, are seventh or eighth in the league in free throws, att- free throws attempted. So they're not even first in free throws attempted. This is strictly on disparity between two, the two teams when they play. So what this stat tells me, Pro, is that, okay, the Lakers say they hit their free throw number. The other teams aren't getting those calls. The other teams' numbers are always lower against the Lakers. That's what it tells me in this stat. More than, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, you can say they're not driving the basket enough, but they are posting up. Maybe that evens out. But other teams aren't getting close to their regular number. But uh, a really interesting one. We've discussed this before last season. They had the same kind of run with, with free throws. They do get the benefit of the whistle, whether you like it or not. Um, big market team at home. They're always in games, no matter how much they're down. But useful or useless, pro? And do you think there is a a, a disparity that's 
somewhat strategic, not strategic, but somewhat known with referees? Oh boy, it's uh, it's useful. Now, is there a conspiracy or is there something going on with that? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, look, you got two MVP candidates, not really, but you got two high-level Hall of Fame players in the team that that demand a whistle. But that doesn't really tell you they're going to have this much of a disparity because of those two. Um, look, this is over a course of time, so it's not over like a month, a week, a day. It's you know, it's over course of a lot of time in a lot of games so there's got to be something going on and why I, I have no idea and that's interesting that you said that they're seventh and eighth i would have thought you would have said they're number one in it and or number one not number one or number two but it is interesting bogues w- what's your theory because i know you've we've mentioned this many a times on and off the you know off the pod about it what, what are your thoughts on it I think they do get a good whistle at home. Their whistle at home is always good. Um, even on the road, they get a half decent whistle. They, they just get a good whistle. They're they're a big market team, and I don't think it's blatant like match fixing, but they get a good whistle. Um, and you need, you know, you can't have a team that won the prestigious NBA tournament pro not not make the playoffs. <laughs> you know, um, in yeah. the first year of the NBA tournament. So I think there's a lot going towards the favor of the Lakers to get that whistle and. You know, even if it's those 50-50 whistles are always 80% favor to the Lakers, in my opinion. They always get those close calls. It just is what it is. Um, historically, it's happened. Wind back to the Sacramento series. Wind back to, you know, they've had they've had some favorable runs um, throughout NBA history, and the big markets are always going to somehow randomly survive, and that's just the way it goes. But the, those numbers, you know, you're not attacking the rim very much. Yes, you are posting up, but to get to, get to the line – the disparity versus other teams, not so much get to the line, disparity versus other teams is 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 233 difference is quite just it shows there is a there is a better whistle for them. Now, I'm sure right. it's coincidental, but over a course of a season, that needs to even out. So I think it's useful. All right, last one, uh, talking about load management. Good one from Trent as well. Uh, from January 22nd, 2023 to January 22nd, 2024. So one year period over the course of an NBA season, no one has played more games than Jokic, AD, and Tatum. AD? AD. You sure? Yes. Yeah. So no, I think the total of games is a three-way tie between those those three. And I think it was like 92 or 96 games they had played over the span of that year. So I just including thought it was playoffs. In, yeah, including playoffs. That's just NBA games. I just thought it was interesting due to the narrative around AD and how he's missing all these games for him to be in that that top three with with Jokic and Tatum. Well, that's why I thought it was misprint. <laughs> but that's yeah, the that's, last guy I would think. Yeah, it's a that's a great one. And, <laughs> and, and, and it just goes to show, Pro, that these are three superstars. Tatum and Jokic are the number one guys in their team as well, and they're they're your iron, not not Ironmen, but they they're your guys that are playing big big. Big, big amounts of games in that in that span, which is fantastic. Um, I have to check these numbers though, pro, because it, it is January twenty second. So I'm guessing Davis was probably out for six weeks before January twenty second, and then after Dude. January twenty second, twenty four, he might have been out for six weeks. We're gonna, we're he gonna played fifty four games last year too. So you know, I mean, I I agree but, with Trent like over playoffs and and like you said, maybe it's over this whole year. It's only a year, so. You know, it'll cover Jan- some of this you know, season January. as well. It comes cover some of this season, yeah, so maybe- and, and it will cover playoffs. So that's yeah. why. Um, and I'll so- tell you what, he's played a lot this year. Like he's played, he's played a lot of his games this year for sure. Like 
and they're and they need them. And that's that's a, that's a sad part about the Lakers right now. They're grinding it out with these two quote unquote superstars, and they're just grinding out wins. And it's mm. it's tough. Like LeBron's played in eighty eight percent of his games, and Anthony Davis has played in ninety two percent of his games this season. And you know, and and they need every ounce of it because. And they're still barely beating teams. And they're they're, you know, what are they right now? They're nine, currently, right? I think they're twenty six to twenty five. Mm-hmm. Not counting today, they're twenty six to twenty five. So they're one game over five hundred, ninth in the ninth in the West. And these two guys are playing close to ninety percent collectively. They're playing ninety percent collectively between the both of them. It, it just, you know, it says a lot about where they are, what the whole salary cap situation is. You know their trade market. I don't think they have a lot of trade value outside of those guys. And if I have to hear one more fucking time about LeBron James isn't getting traded, like, do they really need to put his name in the media like that? Because you know he's not getting traded, but they just yeah. love talking about it. It's clickbait. Good it's narrative. Fucking, it, it's bullshit. Yeah, it's bullshit. <laughs> and they wouldn't trade him. They would trade ownership's family before they trade this fucking guy. Well, they, well, well Jeannie did, didn't she? <laughs> yeah, they probably did, but that's, one another, of the that's another story. Didn't for one another of the brothers yeah. try, <laughs> got I did meet him. I, I did meet him. He's an, he was an interesting character. I met him in Portsmouth, Virginia at a bar, and you would think that like he was like, I don't know if you know baseball much. He looked like John Cruck. He had like a, a, he had like chewing tobacco. He was like wearing a hat on backwards. He had long hair. He was a great guy to talk to for a few minutes. But yeah, he did trade him. You're right. He cut him. I don't know if they trade him, but he cut him. But like they're not trading him. And it yeah, is a no. pretty interesting stat trend. I think I, I, I do think that it's gonna um, it will check out that stat because he did play a lot at the end and playoffs, and he's played a lot now, mm. but uh, in this season. But interesting, uh, man. The whole Lakers thing is is just you know it's too much. That's too much, especially if we're talking for everyone talking about a ninth seed so much. You know, other, other teams yeah. should be celebrating above them. All right, moving on. Got to get through this. Got a couple more minutes uh, for NBL stuff. Sure. Unless something drastic happens, pro Melbourne look to have locked up the one seed. Perth two, just going by percentages. I believe that even if Perth do catch up, I think Melbourne's percentage should lock up one. So those two are through in straight sets to the semifinals. So they'll be awaiting the next four. Over and out. I think these teams are pretty much mathematically out. Adelaide, Cairns, and Southeast Melbourne. Adelaide could still tie record wise, but I think their percentage is taking a bit of a beating. They won't get through. So I think there's seven. There's there's uh, six spots left for seven teams, essentially total. Um, the New Zealand Breakers weren't in for me until Anthony Lamb did his Achilles over the weekend. Um, so he's out. He's having a great year for New Zealand. New Zealand just got healthy a couple of weeks ago. They have games in hand. I thought they would they would definitely sneak into the six. They're now questionable for sneaking in. Uh, so the final spots basically, I think Tasmania in in in, in three, Illawarra's in four, Sydney five, Brisbane six, New Zealand seven. New Zealand have games in hand, so I think New Zealand still potentially take Brisbane's spot. Uh, they play each other the last game of the season, which will be great. Uh, four is Illawarra, five Sydney. They play each other this weekend, which is a huge huge game. Um, so a lot going on there. The season has been one of the closest in history, pro, which has been good to see. Um, the Kings have been frustrating to watch as an owner. Um, inconsistent. They go to Southeast Melbourne a couple of weeks ago. I happened to go to that game. Uh, Southeast Melbourne had, 
horror run with injuries. Uh, they had three or four development players that had to play minutes. So basically guys that shouldn't be playing minutes played minutes. And going into that game, I spoke to a few people there and I just didn't have a good feeling and I mentioned it. Um, people might say I'm, I'm, I'm lying. I just said I don't have a good feeling about this game. We're not a team that does well when we're the top dog and we're supposed to win. And we went into that game and just looked like we were going to just float for 36 minutes and think we'd just turn it on in the last four minutes and win and ended up losing that game. Fast forward two games later, we play Melbourne, who are first in the league. I had the opposite feeling. I said, we're going to come out and play well tonight because it's the number one seed. We just got our asses kicked and we end up beating them. Then the following week, we end up going to Adelaide and losing that. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping I was wrong on the first one, um, but end up losing Adelaide the following week again. So some real inconsistencies of the way we're playing. Uh, I think the, the guys just obviously need to lift and play better and play better uh, collectively as a group. So that's been frustrating, but they're still in the mix. And all it takes is one or two game run, getting a nice, you know, beat of the water this weekend and see where things go. But uh, hasn't been hasn't been a great run for the Kings this season. Very inconsistent. Um, DJ Vasilovic resigns with Adelaide 36ers. I think that's a good signing for them, a nice scorer for him. Obviously, former Sydney Kings Championship winner. Scott Ninnis, head coach, had them surge from basically the bottom of the ladder to knocking on the door uh, to a play-in over the last month or two. Has done a really good job getting them back on track and winning games. They're probably one of the most informed teams in the league since that um, signing for Scott Ninnis as head coach. Is he next for that late 36ers as far as signing for a head coach? So we'll see if that goes. Craig Hutch- Hutchison has sold a share in his sports team business, which does own the Perth Wildcats. And let's be honest – 90-plus percent of the value of that sports team business is the Perth Wildcats. Um, interestingly, a Perth Wildcat super fan named Bill Bloking has tipped in 400K, so a fan has invested in that club, which is interesting in itself. Hutchie's business obviously needing money, some financial troubles um, stemming from some interest rates going up with some loans that he's received from Commonwealth Bank, I believe. And MBLPR, I've got to give them a little bit of a knock. They've had a they've had a mayor the last couple of weeks. Um, they made a post with Aaron Baines setting a screen on Ian Ian Clark, um, shoulder into his into his head, knocked him down. When you slow these things up, they look way worse than they are. Um, Aaron Baines is a physical guy, sets hard screens, it's his job. Is it a dirty play? Questionable, but when you slow it down, it looks horrible. For some reason, the MBL account. Not a not a fan account, not a media account. The NBL account decided to post the video and put a caption saying, should Aaron Baines be answering to a tribunal for this? Um, absolutely despicable stuff. So much so that it was it was removed a day later because the NBL or the, the Australian Basketball Players Association, NBL Players Association got involved. You got basically got a league asking whether asking fans whether a player should be suspended. Just just despicable stuff. And at times I, f- I feel like the NBL is kind of the Kardashians of the sport sports media. It just reeks of desperation. Um, you know, where the Kardashians, how they became famous, that kind of, that area of the Kardashians when they first became notable. Um, and I don't think it needs to do that. I think NBL is in such a good spot where the league is one of the closest seasons in, in NBL history. There's next stars that are playing well. There's so much stuff going on. I feel like the NBL account just tries to manufacture bullshit all the time. And this was a prime example of something that shouldn't be shouldn't have been approved. So I hope that they fix that and just stop using the NBL account as clickbait bullcrap narrative. Do genuine basketball stuff. Celebrate the game. It's doing really well. 
It's close. There's a lot of teams that are up and down. There's a lot of talking points within that. We don't need all the bullshit clickbait stuff. Um, and I've been a big advocate of talking about this for a while because I don't think it's the NBL of, of 10 years ago that needed someone to say something stupid to get media attention that gets enough now and celebrate how good the game is, not all the stuff on the side, pro. That's my spiel on the NBL, pro. Um, hmm. What do you have this week for us, fact or fake news? Folks, we got – so Lakers has been a lot of talk about trade value on their team, other players they're trying to, they're trying to market, they're trying to get to. De, uh, D'Angelo Russell and has been a lot of that talk. And my thing is, my question to you both, so let's put two, two players against each other and swap them. Do the Lakers win more games with, first of all, the whole DeJounte Murray? I don't know why anybody would want D'Angelo Russell on their team to, like, like if I'm the Atlanta Hawks, you got like the DeJounte Murray talk for Russell. Like, Russell, to me, doesn't really have much value anymore. He does like if you're a bad team, if you're like Charlotte, Detroit, and you just need a hired gun, then you would want a guy like D'Angelo Russell, right? No offense to D'Angelo, it's just my opinion. I don't think he's been a winning player throughout. I don't think he makes your team much better. I think he puts a lot of points on the board. So my question to you both, the Lakers are in trouble. They're at nine. If you had DeJounte Murray instead of D'Angelo Russell, do you win more games with the Los Angeles Lakers, sacked or fake news? Or is it the same? Or is it does a, a, no one's really going to help them win that many more games? There, you know, it doesn't matter. It's rearranging the deck chairs of Titanic. Will you win more games with D'Angelo Russell versus Dejounte Murray as a point guard? And also a second to that, do you think D'Angelo Russell has value where teams are like not I want D'Angelo Russell, but like really think that that he could impact winning as a top two or top three player in their team? Fake news, fake news. Uh, I think. It's it's a net even. Uh, you make that trade, and I think Russell's probably played himself into a better position than he was a month ago. I think he's playing much better. But you bring in Murray, what do you get? Maybe an extra couple of wins. Maybe that's your ceiling. Yeah. Like I think they've got bigger issues than swapping one player here or there. You know, I, I don't think that's changing much. I think they they have an old aging roster. They have older guys that have to play more than they should, as we just spoke about that can get injured at any time. Um, can they be a gritty team that needs to get stops at the right time? No. I just think that their their ceiling is what it is, and I don't think that changes much. Um, I don't think one trade right now changes much for them. And do I think Russell's a, a franchise-changing guy that can impact winning? No. I think he's a good – he's a very good player as far as scoring and individual, and, and if you want to go watch an individual play – Fun to watch on the eye, as far as impacting winning to win win basketball games. You know, like for instance, would you take Derek White or D'Angelo Russell today? Derek White, exactly, and he's Derek making White. what half half the amount of money, right? Or or you know, two, maybe maybe three quarters uh, of the money. So right now, let me see. Derek White is making. Let me see. Derek White salary. He's making eighteen million right now. Mm. D'Angelo Russell is making seventeen, so they're very oh, similar, okay. they're very close. Yeah, well, I, I would I would argue, you know, White uh, White just signed his deal too, didn't he, recently? But yeah, um, yeah. I would argue uh, White's numbers are way less, way under Russell's probably offensively as far as scoring. But I would definitely take White. I just think that he he impacts winning, not as flash. Like, would I? 
if I'm going to watch a guy play one on one, I'd probably go watch Russell, right? <laughs> like the one on one game, flashy crossovers, can score. Whereas I'm, I want to go and watch a winner in five on five. It's Derek White, so I think I think fake news on both of those. Yeah, he's like the Rogier, the Levine, the Hero. Look, they're good players. Don't get me wrong; they're very all of them are good players. They could put up points, but some of the things that they do doesn't really impact winning, and they haven't figured that out yet. And probably past a certain age, a certain amount of years in the league, you very much never figure that out. You either are, or you're not. And, you know, by year five, I think you are who you you are who you are with that. And I do agree with that. I don't like you read about, it, and I know a lot of it's media fluff, folks. But you read a lot about like Russell and all these trades, and they're trying to get this guy and that guy. It's hilarious when you talk about Lakers. They're like, oh, like they're targeting all these great players, and I'm like, dude, on what planet are, are any of these teams going to shop any of these guys for what the Lakers have? Are they attaching 7,000 draft picks to them? Maybe. You know, if you gave me 38 firsts, I might, I'm, I might take Russell on with 38 firsts and I'll give you this guy. But um, I just don't think there's a move to be made and I, I don't think he impacts winning. And I don't think a lot of these teams, I think you have to attach a lot of picks. They don't have the talent outside of those other two guys. And let's not forget, Jared Vanderbilt's probably going to be out for most of the year, if not all year, depending on this foot injury. So, like, there's really no move to be – well, we said that last year and they pulled off a couple of good moves. I'd be interested in seeing what they get if they do trade Russell. I don't think there's a lot of market for him. And, you know, they don't really have the capital to throw with Russell to get a good player in, in, in return. And if I'm Atlanta, like, they're sort of – they're sort of like up and down. But why would you want Russell and take off Murray, who's a model citizen – Guys like him. He's a good player. Not a great player, but he's a good player. Like, why would you want to 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 mess that up with a, a foreign entity that you don't really know much about? It's sort of like the whole Schroeder thing, right? Like, good talent, good scorer, but do you really want him on your team? And he doesn't really impact winning that much. Agree. Cool. You got one more? Is that it? That's it, Bogues. One, oh yeah, one, one a week. Or one every other week. One, one a week. Mood. I yeah. like it. Okay. Cool, man. Thank you. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Uh, we are out to market as well. Um, we have a few people that were inquiring about advertising and sponsors. So if you want to sponsor the show or put an add-on or whatever it is, check out um, our social media profile. We've got the email on there. Shoot us an email so we can pay some of pros' bills. Um, Dude, I need to take this thing off my fucking lip. Can can I get some money here? Come on, man. I was going mean, yeah, to somebody- say we can get some some, uh, can we get Clarisville to sponsor of, us? Some sort of yeah, Can CVS or Walgreens fucking sponsor us? So I could take this thing that's gnarring on my face. Come on, you might as well. Yeah, you might as well get, your duck, get some duck lips like an Instagram influencer pro. Roll around Let's next episode. It. Cool. Um, but yeah, appreciate everyone joining in, and we'll see you all next week. All right, guys. Thank you.